All right, guys, let's start in prayer. Actually, I tell you what, I want to go to the Word first. Let's go to Malachi. I want to go to the book of Malachi. If you don't know the book, it's the last book in the Old Testament. We're going to go to chapter 4, verses 5 through 6. Just to let you know, that's the last two chapters of the Old Testament. So if you can't find it, just go right there where it says New Testament, and it should be that page right before it. Somebody say amen when you get there. I am sending you the prophet Elijah before the great and dreadful day of the Lord arrives. His preaching will turn the hearts of fathers to their children and the hearts of children to their fathers. Otherwise, I will come and strike the land with a curse. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, God, I praise you. I love you. This series that you have had us preach, God, it has been... Um, it's been very humbling to myself, and I thank you for what you've taught me through this process. God, I praise you for the, the humility every day. I ask for that. I ask that you humble me every day. You've done it again today. God, and I do, I praise you in those moments because I know that in the moments of humility that you, that you process in front of me, there's only victory that comes after that because it's you. There are no losses with you, God. God, I ask that you do the same thing to this church. Just continue to humble each and every person that is involved, our leadership. Keep us humble. Keep us on your path. That's so important to me. It's what you've been showing me all week this week. And God, today, preaching on fathers, I just ask that every man in this room that's a father opens his heart, his mind, and just takes in what it is that you've given me to, to put in front of them today. God, help them to see and understand that they have a very important role, not just in their family, but in building your kingdom. God, again, I want to pray for our country. We pray for them each and every week. We love our country. The United States of America is an amazing place. The freedom that has been provided here to where we can stand in this room today and serve you, that's a powerful thing. I thank you for our forefathers before us that have put that in place to where we can do so. God, I pray for the leaders of our country today that they will take what it is that you give them and they'll run with it, God. I just ask that they listen. I ask that they listen to you and your guidance. Most importantly, I ask that they seek your guidance. God, just help us to know and understand your ways when it comes to all of this. Help us to understand that sometimes... There's things that may not make sense to us at first, but you always shine before it's over. And God, last, I just ask that you anoint me in this moment, God, from the top of my head to the bottom of my feet, that you take all my pride, selfishness, disgust, anger, lack of patience. God, I just ask that you take all of that away from me and you replace it with nothing but your love, your words, and your peace. And God, last, I need your boldness today. I ask that you give me that for this message that you have presented to me to give. Just give me your boldness, God. Help us to love, help us to laugh, help us forgive. Amen. All right. Today we're going to continue our series that we started a few weeks back, The Warrior Family. 
And we started with, obviously, the way that God intended the family to be started in Genesis when we talked about Adam and Eve, the structure of a family and the marriage and so forth. And then the next week we went into the warrior husband. Uh, and then last week was a lot of fun. That was warrior wives. And this week it's now warrior father. I really wanted to put this in the sermon that I did with Warrior Husband, but there was no way. That sermon was already 45 minutes long. I went back and looked at that. I apologize. No, I don't. I don't apologize because that's God's word. But it was a lot longer sermon than what we usually preach. But obviously, y'all should be glad that I didn't put them together because we'd have been in here an hour and a half. So today, we're going to talk about the father and the father's role as it is set forth of the way that God wants it to be in the family and then also throughout your community. It's a big part of it as well. Warrior family. You know, the word warrior, I think, gets passed over a lot. I think that a lot of people take that word, and it just kind of goes in one ear and out the other. A warrior is somebody that stands strong and stands firm for what not only they believe in, but also for the people that he is to protect. It's very important. So today when we talk about warrior family, this warrior father, that's a big deal. Protection is a major, major key to that. We're going to get into that in just a minute. I do want to go back to Malachi, and I need you to notice the word that I ended with there. It's the last word in the Old Testament. You can even say that the Old Testament kind of ended on a sour note because that last word is curse. Curse. A curse is something you don't want to pass that down. I mean, no father wants to pass that down to any one of their children. The problem is, is you see it happening all the time, and a big reason why is because the father has so much influence because your children are watching everything you do, right? I mean, every step that you make as a father, that should be your thought process, man, that my children are watching. Even if they're not, you should have that thought process that, what if they are? I shouldn't make this mistake because what if my kids were standing here and they actually saw that? Also, you need to think about that, again, that will pass down a curse, a legacy that we don't want to pass down to our children. I think about how many times I see young men that act just like their father. I know a lot of you guys have seen this before. But... Men, I need you to know, we're sitting here talking about things that can be passed down. You can pass down great things to your children, but also understand that your bad habits can be passed down as well. A curse is a transference of negative patterns of life passed down from one to another. These are just a few that I listed that I consider a curse that you could pass down as a father to your children, which is greed, a bad temper, lack of patience, love of money, alcohol abuse, drug abuse, anger, pride, laziness, jealousy, lust, and non-presence. Did you catch that last word? Non-present. In other words, you're not present for your children. You're not present in the home. Lack of patience and a bad temper and jealousy, that was really what was passed down to me from, from my father. Now, keep in mind, and I'll get to that, my father has passed down a lot of great things for me as well. But those three, 
He struggled with those. I struggle with those. I'm not making an excuse because here's the thing, men. We have an opportunity to stop that. We have that opportunity. That's only an excuse. When you're a child of God, those curses that might have been passed down to you, that's only an excuse if you're a child of God. Now, I'm not saying you're not going to fight those things. You will. You're definitely going to struggle with them. You're going to fight with those things, but you can overcome them. That's the great thing about it. But jealousy is one I want to discuss real quick. <laughs> my wife, most of y'all know Amanda, know my wife. We talked about her quite a bit last week. Uh, my wife is smoking beautiful, okay? Like I said a few weeks ago, God has fashioned her in a mighty way, okay? So, so when we go places, it's a little aggravating. Like for instance, if we go to Dallas, we go to the mall or something like that, and we're walking around in the mall, and, you know, these young punks walk by, and they're checking my wife out. And it's like, I mean, really? You know what I mean? It's all the time. And, and it's funny, though, because when you do actually look at them, boy, that, that head drops real quick. You know, they get real... But this happens constantly because, number one, my wife, by the way, a lot of people may need to understand this, my wife is not 22, okay? I know she looks very young. I get that. But my wife is literally two years younger than I am, okay? So a lot of people are like, Micah, you got a young one. No, not really. We're really close to the same age. The problem is I look really old. I think that's really what the problem is. So, so that's what happens. We're walking through the malls, and I really think that some of these guys think, well, that's his daughter. Like, that can't be his wife. That's got to be his daughter. And uh, matter of fact, uh, this is a, okay, I'm going to kind of add a story to another story here. My mother-in-law's in the back. Me and Debbie have been actually, it's, no, she's not. She's teaching the kids. Good, because I didn't want to hear this part. But <laughs> two times, me and Debbie, people have thought that we are married and Amanda is our child. <laughs> Am I lying about that, Mark? It's happened twice, right? Two times that's happened. <laughs> so so we're you know we're at the mall we're walking around all these dudes are checking them out and everything and i'm like man you know this just it aggravates me you know and i'm a jealous guy okay and i want you men to understand something there is nothing wrong at all with being jealous for your bride now i'm gonna prove that to you who's jealous for us jesus christ we're his bride Nothing wrong with being jealous about it. Now, don't get out of hand. It's okay to be a little upset and, you know, a little, you know, prideful. You know, that's, that's my wife, you know. I don't want some dude looking at my wife, right? But here's the thing. I asked her one day. I'll never forget. I asked her. I said, sweetheart, and, and I've, I've said this before, so some of y'all know this, but I asked her. I said, baby, you know, all of you dudes, they come by, they, they look at you. It makes me mad and you know, so forth. I was like, no women ever look at me. They don't talk to me. Like, I want to get her back, right? Like, I just so bad, I want some lady to just wink at me or something. I get nothing. And, you know, she tells me, she says, well, sweetheart, that's because you have this aura and this presence that you're taking. Men, if your wife tell you that, that translates into you're ugly, okay? That's what it boils down to. But... That's my jealousy right there. And anyway, fathers, these curses, uh, they're very hard to break. They can be passed down not only to your children, but your children's children and your children's children's grandchildren. Guys, it can go from generation to generation. So I'm sitting up here and I'm kidding with you guys, obviously, about my jealousy. But that is something that I want to stop so it's not passed down to my three daughters, that it's not passed down to their children. 
Jealousy is something that can cause a lot of problems in life. Same thing with me with bad temper. A lot of y'all know me very well, and that is something that I used to struggle with. Not near as bad now, but I used to struggle with that tremendously. Lack of patience, I'm not very good at. I'm struggling with that one. But God has definitely helped me in that area living with four women. I've become more patient. So these are the things that I wanted y'all to know that I do struggle with. So men, what I'm getting at is this today, obviously, I'm not just preaching at you guys. I'm preaching at me as well, like I do every single week. Uh, of these curses that I mentioned, the one that has attacked more homes in our country than anything else is that lack of presence by the Father. Did y'all know that 50% of our kids in this country are raised by a single parent? 50%. That's sad. Right off the bat, we see the problem here. I want to give you some other statistics. 75% of suicides, 90% of homeless people, 80% of rapists, 70% of school dropouts, and 90% of our prisoners in the United States all have one thing in common. They grew up with a fatherless home. Y'all see the trend? You fathers see the problem here? Right off the bat again, guys, if the father is not in the home, he has already set his family, his home, up for a curse. Right off the bat. This is something that I truly feel it's got to stop. And, and truth be told, we're living in a country right now where children, they're being over-mothered and under-fathered. Because the mom's right there now. The mom is staying, not all, but the majority do. I want you to think about this. Without a father in the early years of a child's life, the mom is in charge, right? She takes the baby to the nursery at church. Chances are that's a woman in charge there, correct? First years of elementary school, chances are that's another female that's also teaching the child, correct? When the mom's tired because she doesn't have a husband there to help her out with this child and she needs a night out and she gets a babysitter, chances are it's a female. I need you to understand I have a lot of respect for these women. You mothers that are trying to do two jobs, trying to be a mother and a father, I have a lot of respect for y'all. A lot. But y'all shouldn't have to deal with that. That's the big problem. It shouldn't be this way. And shame on you men for letting that happen. Another big issue that I see uh, from the home is lack of leadership from the father. I hear men all the time, different men that I may be counseling or just different men in passing that I'm visiting with and so forth, they always say that they don't get any respect at home. But 99% of the time what they need to understand is they're a terrible leader. I hate to be blunt, but I'm being honest. That is the problem 99% of the time. When I have men that come to me and say, I'm not getting any respect at home, I said, well, are you giving respect? You're not going to get it unless you, excuse me, you're not going to receive it unless you give it. And the other problem that you look at is a lot of men, they don't receive that respect because how are they supposed to be the head of the house when they're not respecting who's supposed to be the head of them? 
which is God. If your children aren't seeing you on your knees praying, if your children aren't seeing you lead that household to church on Sundays, waking them up early, getting them out and doing these things, why would they respect you when it came to that area? Men, it's our job as fathers to lead that. We talked about that the other day. Two weeks ago, we discussed we are the head of the household. That's how God made it and intended it. As long as we are in the boundaries of being a father and a husband, we're the leaders. We need to step up. This country is going further and further away from the husband fully taking control of the household. And I truly believe that's why there's so many homes out there that are fatherless. There's nothing worse than an organization without a clear leader. Okay, I want to just explain this to you guys. This was taught to me a few years back. If you're having a meeting, for instance, I'll give you an example. I'm on the school board at St. James, and, and this is where this was taught to me by one of my mentors, actually. There was a point in time where I had to lead a certain meeting as president of the board, and it was a confrontational meeting. And what I learned from this was is when you walk in that room, you make sure your seat's at the head of the table, you make sure you let everybody else sit down, and you take charge of that meeting. People need to know who's in charge. They need to know who's in charge of the home. Some kids don't even know who's in charge of their home. Y'all following me here? That's a problem. Let me tell you something. Back in the 1990s, the Dallas Cowboys were amazing. Everybody remembers that, except for you young kids. Y'all are like, they've never been good, trust me. They were very good. Three out of five Super Bowls, by the way. Three out of four, excuse me, three out of four Super Bowls. But anyway... Everybody knew in the early 90s who was in charge, and that was Jimmy Johnson. Everybody knew that. That was the head coach, by the way, just to let y'all know, you young guys. Jimmy Johnson was in charge. The minute that pride got in the way between two men and it separated him and Jerry Jones, they brought in another guy. That guy wasn't a good leader. He was a good leader in college. Pros is a different ball game. And all of a sudden, you started to see different players and different people in the organization starting to get in trouble, starting to get away from the game. They weren't concentrating on winning anymore. Men, be the coach of your house. Be that Jimmy Johnson. Take the step. Be the leader. Let your children know and your wife know that you're in control. There's nothing that your wife would like more than to see you step up as a Christian man with biblical standards, being a strong prayer, and taking on that household. I promise you. They would love to see that. Your children need to see it too. Men, I need you to also understand that all of your awards, all of your accolades, all of the accomplishments outside of the home mean absolutely nothing if you're not a warrior father in the home. Men, that 12-punt buck that's up on the wall, that bowling trophy, that golf tournament medal, 
means nothing if you're not leading your home. You can burn all that stuff. It means nothing. The only thing that you should even be worried about when it comes to growing God's kingdom is growing your family. Now, men, please understand, because some of you are looking at me really crazy right now. I didn't say don't go hunt, don't go play golf, and don't go bowling. Nothing wrong with that. You go do those things. Just make sure your house is in line before you go do those things. So what does a warrior father actually look like? Warrior father prays with his children, prays with his wife. Get this, this is different. Prays over his children and his wife. You pray with them, but then you pray over them. You take control. When you're praying with them, you take control of praying with them. But when it's time to get serious and claim protection on your home, you pray over your family. You know, when we pray together as a family at night or, or before meals, we always trade out who prays. But I promise you, every morning when the day starts, I pray over my family. Always. Before my kids go to school, I pray over my children. That's where we have to take the lead. When they see you do that, that's when you gain respect. A warrior father gets involved in church, gets involved in his community. He always asks God to humble him each and every day. The greatest sign of a great leader is humility. That's the greatest sign. I want you to think about the greatest... The, the, the people that you've known in your walk, fathers, I want you to think about this. The people that you've known in your walk that you respect the most, I promise you, had a great bit of humility. You don't grow without it. They don't get to where they are without it to be able to teach and mold and guide you. Humility is one of the strongest tools that we can use. So each and every day, you should wake up and ask God to humble you. The thing that I've learned also is if God humbles you, and I've talked about this many times, but I'm going to bring it up again. It can't be talked about enough. When you ask God to humble you, he'll humble you in private moments to where it's not embarrassing, or he'll humble you with another believer so it doesn't hurt. Don't be scared to ask him to humble you. The warrior father brings peace to his home, and most of all, he protects his home and his family. I want to tell you guys, I read this earlier this week. I want to tell you where true leadership can start in the home. I want to go to Psalms 128, verses 1 through 3. Blessed is everyone who fears the Lord, who walks in his ways. When you eat the labor of your hands, you shall be happy, and it shall be well with you. Your wife will be like a fruitful vine in the very heart of your house. Your children like olive plants around the table. I want you to get two things from this verse. Number one, olive plants. Your children like olive plants around your table. A lot of people are like, what in the world? Why would my children be like an olive plant? Like my, my kids don't, I would explain them a different way around the table sometimes, you know. Definitely wouldn't be an olive plant, you know. 
Maybe, maybe one of the burning bushes Moses saw, but I don't know about olive plant. But an olive plant takes 15 years to become a tree. But if you nurture an olive plant correctly, even though it takes 15 years to become a tree, it can produce olives for 2,000 plus years. The reason we know that is you can go to where olive plants are right now in Israel that have been there for 2,000 years. The reason why these olive plants can produce olives that long is because they have strong roots. They've been nurtured the right way. They've been taken care of the right way. They've been protected the right way. Therefore, they can produce great, I'd say fruit, but I don't think an olive is a fruit. So great olives. We produce great fruit. The other thing that I want you all to get out of this verse, all around your table. Men, leadership can start right there. The dinner table is not just to eat at, it's to be a leader. My wife and I struggle with this from time to time where we get away from the dinner table. I think we're all guilty of that as parents. You know, you get the, you know, you get the TV in front of you and everybody's got their shows that they want to watch and so forth and you get to where now you're eating in the family room around a coffee table and you're watching TV at the same time. I highly encourage you parents, get around that dinner table. Turn the TV off. Turn electronics off. Get social media out of your children's hands for a couple hours. Get around the table. Play games. Visit. I learn more about my children's day at that dinner table than I do anywhere else. And you need to know what they're going through every day. You need to know. My kids get tired of me doing this, but every single time we sit down at the dinner table, I'll look at one and I'll say, what was the best part of your day? And they'll go on about the best part of their day. And then I'll say, what was the worst part of your day? And they'll tell me that. And then I'll say, what can we do to fix the worst part? Guys, you can grow your kids just off of that. That's very simple. It's not hard. It's just a conversation. And it's a shame if... We as fathers are not able to sit down and have conversations with our children. That's your fault. You need to grow into that relationship with your kids because you only got them for 18 years. After that, they're on their own, whether you like it or not. So you got 18 years to take your child and to mold them and to teach them into an olive tree. It's not a long time, guys. I want to go to 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 8. This verse, I preached on this. I think it was the second sermon I ever preached at this church. That verse shook my world. It still does every time I look at it. Because it, it makes me hurt for certain people. If anyone does not provide for his own, that is his own household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. Nowhere else in the Bible, nowhere, I haven't found it yet, 
And my elders can point it out to me tomorrow if I'm wrong. I have yet to find anywhere where it says you are worse than an unbeliever. Y'all don't think God's taking fatherhood serious? Guys, you have to provide for your household. And I want you to notice something else. If you notice, I know he's speaking to fathers because it says his own. His own. He has. Doesn't say she. Doesn't say that. Men, that's your job. Fathers, this is your verse. This is for you to take on. Now, women, if you ain't got a husband in your house, if there's no father there for your children, then you take that on. But the thing is, it's a shame if you have to. That's the man's job. Again, men, fathers, this verse is for you. And there's three ways that you need to provide for your own. A lot of people say, well, what does that word provide even mean? Now, this is a study that I did on this verse, but I feel there's three ways you have to provide for your family. Obviously, financially, you have to provide for your family. They have to be able to eat. They need a roof over their head. You need to be able to take care of them there. That's that security. Socially, you need to provide for your kids. Now, socially, like, what do you mean socially? You need to teach your kids the ways of the world. You need to teach them to look people in the eye and shake their hand. You need to teach them to open the door for women. That's socially. You need to teach them how to go and apply for a job. Do you know how many people I have walk in my store and apply for a job, they don't bring a resume, and they don't want to fill out an application? Really? You'll never get hired. But you know I make them go through the process just to waste their time. I'm trying to teach them something. But seriously, guys, I can't tell you how many young people walk in the door at the store and have no clue. They don't even dress right. They walk in with pajama pants on. It's like, what is wrong with these people? Like, seriously, put something decent on. I don't want to see what you sleep in. I want to see what you go to work in. Like, it's embarrassing. It's embarrassing. I swear. That's, that's, that is right. That's right. <laughs> Quote Mikey P. Quote that. Guys, I want you to get one main thing from this verse. Do not deny the faith and be worse than an unbeliever. I've seen too many men... Too many good men that have not supported their family in those three areas. The last one is spiritually. That's the third way that you provide for that family. It's what we've talked about today. Be that leader in the household. Make sure that when people walk in your home, they know who's in charge. Make sure your kids know who's in charge. Be that spiritual leader. The most important thing, guys, that you can do to be a warrior father is just be present. You can't do any of these things we talked about today unless you're actually there. You can't do them. If you're not present, what good is it going to do? I go back to the beginning. All those statistics that I talked about, all those issues were because it was a fatherless home. You have to be present in the home. Now, here's the thing. You don't 
only have to be physically present. You need to be mentally and emotionally present as well. I am so guilty of this. Be sitting around, kids walk in, telling me about their day, issues they're going through, and it's going in one ear and out the other because I'm thinking about a thousand things that I had done that day at work that I had to take care of or something that we're trying to handle with the church and so forth. And I go sit down in my chair at the house, and I'm there. I'm present, but not really. I'm physically present. Men, especially you with daughters, listen, be present. That's a struggle of mine. I don't mind saying that from the pulpit. I try to do better each and every day. And there's days that I do great. And there's days that I fail miserably. I hope I'm getting better at it. I pray that I am. I think that's one of the things when I pray for humility that he's teaching me. Men be present. Guys. Yeah, okay. I'm going to tell you guys a story. There was a couple that uh, they couldn't get pregnant, got married, so forth. They couldn't get pregnant. They were struggling with that. And uh, finally, after years and years of trying, they, they had a little girl, this adorable little blonde-headed girl. When that little girl turned four years old, they noticed that she would dance all over the place, just throughout the house. So uh, at five, they got her some, uh, some dancing shoes for Christmas. And then right after that, they went and signed her up for dancing classes, right? Well, when she turned seven years old, she got to be a part of her first dance recital. This was on a Saturday. The father was an avid golfer. And on this Saturday was the biggest tournament of every single year that he would go play at. This man decided he was going to go play in that golf tournament instead of going to the dancer side. The reason why is he thought, this is her first, she's seven years old, she loves to dance, I'm going to see many of these. Years and years of dance recitals. Was it hurt to miss one? That was his thought process. On the way that morning to the golf tournament, he got a phone call. It was from the police. As the mom and the daughter were going to the dance recital, they got in a wreck. The mom was fine. The daughter lost her leg. That man never got to see her dance. Fathers, don't miss the dance. That other stuff, it doesn't matter. 
golf tournaments, hunting, bowling, all those things. Again, men, I don't want y'all to miss the point here. I'm not saying it's okay to have a hobby. There's nothing wrong with that. But your number one hobby needs to be your children. It needs to be your family. You don't go do those things until things are in order. I've been to a dance recital. It's one of the worst things I've ever set through in my entire life. <laughs> but the difference is, is I, I did it. I did it. Men, don't miss the dance. Do not miss that dance. I started this sermon by talking about curses. Again, last word in the Old Testament. And the bad habits that we can pass down to our children. The great news is, guys, you don't have to pass those down. You don't have to. That's your choice. We no longer have to live under a curse anymore. The Old Testament was a different way. And what changed that way was Jesus Christ. Because of Jesus, we don't have to worry about that. Because of our graceful and merciful Father God, who sent his son down to take care of all those curses for us. He sacrificed his own son, his family, so the bride of his son wouldn't have to worry about curses. I want to go to Ephesians chapter 2. I'm going to read verses 1 through 5, and I'll get us closed out. Somebody say amen when you get there. Once you were under God's curse, doomed forever for your sins, you went along with the crowd and were just like all the others, full of sin, obeying Satan, the mighty prince of the power of the air, who is at work right now in the hearts of those who are against the Lord. All of us used to be just as they are, our lives expressing the evil within us, doing every wicked thing that our passions or our evil thoughts might lead us to do. We started out bad, being born with evil natures, and were under God's anger just like everyone else. But God is so rich in mercy, he loved us so much that even though we were spiritually dead and doomed for our sins, he gave us back our lives again when he raised Christ from the dead. Only by his undeserved favor have we ever been saved. There's two things I want you to get out of this sermon today. Number one is how important your role is as a father. You as a father can affect generations of not only your family, but Christians. I want you to think about that. If you have a child that comes to you and wants to be involved in the ministry, and you don't lead and guide them into that direction and help them along the way, and they decide, well, my dad doesn't really want me to do this, so I'm going to go do something else. 
But think about what that one child could have done. Men, from today forward, I want you to think about your children in every decision that you make. Every decision. Okay. The things that you struggle with the most. All men, women as well, but us men, we really, we all have a weakness. We all have something we fight with each and every day. It's things we don't want to talk about. It's things we don't even want our brothers to know about. Okay? Would you be tempted with those sins if your child's standing next to you? I wouldn't. But if your child's not standing next to you, nobody's around, it's easy, right? Have the mindset that your children are watching everything you do. Because men, here's the thing. Even though you don't see it, or excuse me, even though they don't see it, God is all-knowing, he's all-seeing. And that thing that you may be doing, that problem that you're causing, it is in the bloodline of your children. But if you stop it, God can change that bloodline. Trust me. Stomp out the curse before it gets to the next generation. Whatever it is you're struggling with, get rid of it. If you need help with that, that's what this church is here for. I'll help you fight it. I've asked for help for my own problems. That's what it takes, guys. Us men, honestly, need to be standing together. We need to quit being so prideful, thinking that we can handle this on our own. Because guess what? You can't. You will not defeat Satan by yourself. I promise you that. He's a powerful piece of garbage. Okay? It is a mental, spiritual battle that you're going to fight every day as a father. And let me tell you, when you become a father, you young men, Satan starts to hit you even harder because he knows it's not just you anymore. There's multiple generations he could affect by pounding you with curses. Guys, stand strong. Just think about your kids. That's how I fight him. I never think about myself in those situations. If you think about yourself, you're going to give in to the evil that he's trying to put in front of you. But think about your kids, because who in the world wants something bad to happen to their children? If your answer is yes, me and you need to sit down and have a serious talk. Amen? And you ain't going to like it. Grab a pen and paper. Go ahead, Nick. Every father needs to remember his children will follow his example more than his advice. Lead by example, men. Give that advice, too, but they're going to pay a lot more attention to what you're doing than what you're saying. Right? I want to go ahead and worship team, prayer team, y'all come on up.
On October the 12th, 2006, my life changed completely. That's when Annabelle was born. It's my oldest child. In that moment, and a lot of men talk about this, and they may go through this in their life, but man, in that moment, I truly mean this, it was like a movie. I remember the first time I got to see her, and I remember putting my hand down and literally her little hand gripping my finger, right? You men know what I'm talking about. There's no better feeling, especially if it's a daughter. If it's a little boy, it's like he didn't grip hard enough, right? But if it's a little girl, it's like that's what I'm talking about. My life changed, and in that moment, I realized it's not just about me. It's not just about me and Amanda. I've got generations I've got to take care of now. And not to say, trust me, I've made a lot of mistakes after that. But that day is when I realized i got to step up my game. I know there's some men here that wives are pregnant right now and there's no better feeling but at the same time there's some pressure added to that and I promise you though if you have the help of your brothers and you keep God in the center of your family that pressure will dissolve you'll be able to handle it a lot of y'all never got to meet my father This was, uh, this was from his funeral back in September. I told y'all from the beginning that my dad passed on some, some pretty rough stuff with me. Bad temper, no patience, and jealousy. But he also passed on joy, love, humor. I mean, I think I'm funny sometimes. But the main thing that my dad taught me, those three things from 1 Timothy about how to provide for your family that financially, socially, and spiritually, he knocked spiritually out of the park. I'm not standing here today if it wasn't for the guidance of my father. This church is just like last week. Without my wife and the submission of Amanda and the power of submission, this church doesn't exist. Without my father's guidance and teaching, this church doesn't exist either. It's a family. If you start it out right, amazing things can happen. If you start it out right and you pass it down to generation to generation, Nothing cannot be accomplished through your family. God can accomplish so much through your family if you get it going in the right direction. Some of you may think, well, I don't have it going in the right direction. I haven't had it going in the right direction. Well, guess what? Today you can. That's the great thing about it. Those curses, it's like I said, those are gone, guys. You don't have to live by a curse. You don't have to accept something that maybe your father passed down to you. You sure as heck don't have to pass it down to your children. Stand firm in the belief, men. Step up as fathers, and let's start building the home the right way. Amen? Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I praise you. 
God, thank you for the word that you've given me today. Thank you for, thank you for getting me out of the way, God. Your presence has been felt so much over this series. I thank you for giving me the opportunity to teach this series. God, today, talking about fathers, there's no more greater father than you. You are the example that we try to live by each and every day. Your grace, your mercy, the joy that you have, all of those strengths, God, I just ask today that you pass that on to the rest of us. But God, I ask that we accept it. I ask that you cast all of the the bad curses, the, the things that we've grown up with as men that we're trying to keep into our fatherhood. God, I just ask that you crush it and you take it away. Replace it with nothing but great things to pass down to the next generation of our family and of the Christians of this world. God, it starts with the head of the house. You've taught me that. So I ask that you be with each and every father that's here. I ask that we listen and that we recognize your voice when you speak to us to guide our families. God, I love you and I praise you. Help us to love, help us to laugh, help us to forgive. Amen. I just want y'all to know in the last few weeks we have had hundreds, hundreds of people that are watching online. So we're not just reaching them right here, guys. And we're not just reaching them in Texarkana. I mean, we're talking about all over the country. People sending us messages. People needing help. People needing prayer. Guys, understand that when you give to this church, it's not just what you're giving for these four walls. We're spreading it out there. Okay? Amen? Awesome. So for those of y'all that are online, I want another congregation in the house. Y'all give them a round of applause. Let them know. Let them know. If you're watching online, listen, you don't have to be present in here to be a part of this church. We love you guys. We thank y'all for the support that you give. I assure you it means a lot. And each and every person in this room, I promise you, they appreciate you as well. Amen. Let's pray, guys. Dear Heavenly Father, I love you. Thank you again so much for just such a great word that you've given us, the worship team that was amazing today, God. Thank you for the leadership that you've put in this church. God, thank you for the mothers and the fathers that are leading these households. And God, again, I ask today that you take all of your gifts, all of that power that you've given, and you give it to us fathers. You give it to the dads of the houses. But God, most importantly, I ask that we accept it and we use it. That's what's most important. You're willing to give us everything. It's our decision to take it. It's our decision to take it and to use it to mold and guide our children. So God, I ask and I claim, I claim, I don't ask God, I claim that every man that's in this room and watching online, every father, that they accept those gifts and they start building your kingdom through their family. God, I praise you and I love you. We ask all these things in your son's name. Help us to love, help us to laugh, help us forgive. Amen. You guys are dismissed.